Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, James, we had planned to do a show after the Anaheim game, kind of wrap up uh, the Leafs road trip. But I did not expect us to be, well, I guess I sort of expected us maybe to be talking about this sort of stuff, but not this sort of stuff uh, with Sheldon Keefe and what he ended up doing in that game against the Ducks. Um, If I had told you a hundred scenarios of what could have played out in that game on Sunday night after what (laughs) happened in the game against Los Angeles. If I had told you that Mitch Marner was going to get benched, where would that rank in your 100 scenarios? Like I I I thought of what could happen in that game, like maybe they they, they still don't come out with what you're expecting to see from them, but I had never contemplated for half a second that that would be what happens. Isn't it it's just classic that they get up 3 to 1, they're playing the worst team in the league, the end of a road trip where they've played really poorly. Yep. It it really it kind of felt like okay they're gonna they're gonna tap one out here against a bad team and even when they were you know it was, they they let one goal it's three two it's like oh they're probably just gonna you know whatever they're gonna win this game and then it's gonna be like oh last year that this happened where they they went in and they beat Chicago and it was a they didn't play very well but they beat Chicago and it was kind of the start of yep. them ga- gaining a, so that's kind of what it felt like to me watching the the early stages of the game and then it just completely comes unglued including you know what was going on with you know the broadcast was was all over it with you know not only was did Marner miss a shift but he went and got a new stick off the rack and went down under the tunnel and demolished demolished the stick and you know you're watching that and it's this is this is not You've been on the trip, so I have questions for you. You've been around the team. I haven't. I've been watching on TV. But it just does not feel like it does not feel like a team that is 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 very centered right now. It feels like they, they just feel very, very fragile. Yes, and that's the right word. Yeah. Ten games into the season, you know, and it it's amazing because it's the same thing that happened last year. The difference last year was they were coming off of that that playoff series against Montreal and it felt like a carryover it felt like yep. there was baggage that was there from the playoffs 
that shouldn't be there this year in in, in theory. Um, you know, they, they bring in new players and it's it's really something that they're they're this fragile that they're here. And one of the I'll let, I don't know how many like one of the biggest things I think that we need to point out when we talk about all this stuff, some people are saying, you know, it's too early and you know, they they did it last year, they turned it around and et cetera, et cetera. And they may they may yet turn it around. But you look at who they've played. They've had the easiest schedule in the whole league. Yeah, like they've played. They've played all of who? Who's the who's best, the best team? team they, yeah, who's the best yeah, team they faced? Washington, right? Like it's probably the Capitals who were what, like twelfth or thirteenth in the league last year. They yeah. played a huge run of teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. They've played. They've lost to Arizona. They lost to San Jose. They lost to Anaheim. That should be impossible for a team. Yes, that has designs on doing what this team has designs on doing. So not only have they been, yes, their record, people are saying their record's similar to last year. Yes, their record was bad last year. They were not playing this poorly. They had no. Michael Hutchinson in goal, letting in a bunch of dumb goals. And like, there was other stuff that was going on last year that, you know, uh, Matthews missed the first three games and then came back and was coming off surgery. The Leafs don't have any of those excuses here. And the other thing too, is if you look at at possession or, or you know, the analytics and stuff, they're bad right now. They're bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Against bad teams, so this is this is worse than last year for sure. Yes, and I think it's it's dangerous to assume that because they did it last year, like they'll just do it again. And and to your point, uh, Sheldon Keith mentioned that um, before the Anaheim game that the start was similar in some ways, but he mentioned that individual performances from some of their players were were better last year. Like I don't know that they have. Like, is there anybody you would say is off to a great start? Not, not, not really. You know who their best player has been? Do you know? You probably will get this right. Do you know who their best, who's been their best player? I don't know. Who? Samsonov. Samsonov has been their best player. (laughs) And that's the other thing, too. Who's been their best skater, James? Like, I don't know who I'd pick. Is it Tavares? It's probably Tavares. Yeah. That's, it's probably him. Yeah. But but James, to go back to, to Marner, like, so. Oh, we don't have the broadcast, obviously, at the the arena. So I'm watching the game, and I'm like, "Wait a second, this is weird. Where's Where's Marner?" And I'm looking on the bench, and I, I pull up his shift chart, and I'm like, "Yeah, like he's skipping him." And then I looked on the bench, and I'm like, "Wait a second, like is he hurt?" And then I see him do what, what you mentioned on the broadcast that he goes into the room, and I'm like, "That's weird." Like he grabbed one of his sticks, and I was like, uh, "Hmm, is he is he going to a, retape his stick, or is he, like what's he doing? Why is he going to the room?" And then obviously. You you see like what he ends up doing. Um, you couldn't what, actually see him destroy it, so I thought it, I thought maybe he would deny it or something. But he came out after the game and said he he, he sort of said that's what you do <laughs> or something, right? Like that was well, because like, is it is that James, what you do? Do you think he's ever been benched in his entire life? I I can't imagine he has. Like, why would he ever be benched? He he's not. Well, may, I mean, maybe when he was a kid and he was playing with older kids, or I don't, I don't know. Probably I mean, I just, not. But like, but so so let's get into that though, and then we can kind of dig on into some of the stuff that you mentioned before, just about what's going on. You can ask me whatever you want. What do you think that says when a coach goes down that path? Because that's a really big card to play. It's a really risky thing to do. Um, to bench anybody is something to bench the guy who plays the most minutes on the team from most of the time. Like the guy who's, I don't know, had 97 points last year has been the best winger, right winger in hockey for two years running. Like to do that, 
What do you think that suggests about what Sheldon Keefe is feeling right now? Well, I mean, I think the elephant in the room here that I think we can just talk about that I don't know if I, I'm not sure what commentary is out there or whatever. I mean, I, there's something going on between Sheldon Keefe and Mitch Marner. And it's not just in this one game. Like, I don't, I think this is the continuation of something. Well, James, it's the continuation. You could say, I don't know this, but the one person who was not happy with what Sheldon Keefe had to say after that Arizona game very clearly was Mitch Marner. We know that. Yeah, but he literally is on the record. It almost feels bigger than that, doesn't it? Like, it all, yeah. Could be. So, like, the Leafs are off today. It's Monday when we're recording this. They're going to practice on Tuesday and they're going to play Philadelphia on Wednesday at home. Tuesday's practice is going to be a gong show. It's going to be a gong show. Like, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be the TV, TV stations that don't normally cover the Leafs are going to show up and they're going to say, you know, what's wrong with the Leafs? And there's going to be all kinds of questions. And I think one of the biggest questions and one of the things that people are going to want to write about and ask about is what's going on with Mitch Marner and Sheldon Keefe and as they should because it feels and, and I think they're smart enough to say nothing's going on but I I don't think that that's entirely accurate but to me so so I'm more interested in why he would decide to do that because well, I, he I, he's trying to instill some accountability in his team where, you know, if, if it, okay. the thing is, Jonas, if like anyone down the lineup made that play, they would, that would happen to them, right? Like if, if, even if, yeah, if Nylander did that, or even if, you know, if Engvall did that or, or Yarncrock or, you know. But you have to know that the stakes are different when it's Marner, right? Like for a variety of reasons, like he's one of your best, he's your second best player. Um and he he needs to be coached differently, I think, clearly, than someone like Neander. Like, if you do that to Neander, like, it would be a story. But I think Neander... It's happened with Neander before, right? It's happened with Neander before. Yeah. And, like, he kind of brushes it off. Like, that stuff really doesn't phase him that much. But, Marner, like, you are literally, like, two weeks from the day, almost, where you sort of criticize the top players, but not really. And, like, you don't mention anyone specifically. And that player, in particular, really takes it personally and does not that elite like players it. thing like why why is that so upsetting i don't understand well i i can see it from the player's side and, and this is what we should get into is i yeah, don't but really come on like he didn't even say like he didn't no. call anyone out or he just said like we have better players than arizona and they weren't they weren't better tonight like i i agree with you that it's like it, reading it, the dictionary definition of what happened in the game yes and i think like you would expect them to be like kind of like Austin Matthews was where he's like, yeah, like like he kind of brushes it off. But I could also see it from the perspective of the players. And you can even go back to opening night when Keith kind of just blasts the team after that game. I guess I don't really understand why Keith has decided to take this kind of stance. Like I don't understand, Jonas, why there is an urgency from the team. Why why don't the players on, take like, this stance? Like why don't they we, stand up and say But let's get back but let's we can get to that. I think that's a really good question. But well, why, I think that that's what Keith's doing. He's he but, is but James, saying there's hang on, urgency. Hang on a second. So they are coming off a 115 point season. They played really they well in that play. Like but listen, like they they played really well in that series against Tampa. And from like before the season even starts, Keith is like really, really needling hard. I guess I well, don't know why. 
he's like trying what? to he because he's trying to change the way that this team is. He's trying to get them up for these games that they don't get up for against the bad teams. Like it's almost like the schedule maker was like, "Oh, that'll be funny. Let's just give all the worst teams the Leafs the start of the season and watch them lose those games." And that's exactly what they did. If I'm the coach, I'm like, "Wake up, guys. Like wh- what are we doing? Like do we actually care or do I we know, only care I like at what you're saying. points yeah. of the season?" That's what that's what he where he's coming from. I mean, Sheldon Keefe is is a hyper passionate guy. But James, like, it is a long fucking season, and if you're gonna start doing that, well, it might not tra- be a long season for Sheldon Keefe. I mean, but I'm, that's he's why probably- I don't know that it's the the right stance to take, where you are pushing so hard right away that you risk losing the team before the season even gets going. I like, mean, I, if, I, if if calling them elite players didn't play elite is losing the team then you got way bigger problems than the coach come on like if you're blasting the team after the first game of the season like he did if i'm a player i'm like like come on man like it's the first game of the season like we were were we sharp no but like it's the first game of the season like cut us a break you know what i mean now it's the 10th game and they're still not sharp yeah i don't know i don't buy that i don't buy the amount of eggs that are being thrown like it's everyone's looking for Here's the reality in the NHL is that one of the first things that gets changed when a team struggles the way the Leafs are is they change the coach because it's easy to change the coach. Yeah, so see, and it, you're putting and this I, all it, on the players and I'm I I'm not like I think it's a little more no, even I, than you're making it out it, to be to me. What what I would say is that people look for ways to blame the coach when it goes sideways. I'm not looking for ways that I'm watching what's happening, James. Yeah, well, I, to me it's looking for ways to blame the coach. Okay, well so you wanted to ask me some things of what I've noticed. One of the things that I've noticed on this trip is like, it's kind of been a continuation of what's been happening since camp where he has been pushing really hard and we are not seeing a response. That's one of the things that has stuck out. And that's, that's concerning because like that, that that's what coaching is, right? Like after that Vegas game, I'm thinking, ah, like they'll play, they'll play a lot better in uh in San Jose, no, they didn't, that doesn't happen. But the, then, you know what the thing, like if he didn't do that, Jonas, if he wasn't expressing urgency, if he wasn't pushing guys, if he wasn't sitting Mitch Marner, everyone would be, and they were losing games, everyone would be sitting here and saying, why isn't Sheldon Keith doing anything? Why isn't there any accountability on this team? Why isn't he coming out and calling out when players play poorly? That's what would be happening in Toronto. They would just like, based on what happened on the ice, that's what people would say is people are doing wrong. It's it's different in Toronto. Like you, ha- I think you have to coach a team like the Leafs with the, the attention that they have or are under differently because you. I, I think part of your job, and we discussed this before, I think at some point, I think part of your job is is how you manage things publicly. And I think a lot of the times you need to downplay fire. Like you almost need to put out fires, not keep keep them spreading and keep them alive. And I think what he's done at certain points so far is he's kept the fire going. Like, and in fact, he's made it bigger with some of the things he said. And like, I just don't know what you're gaining from that. And I guess like to go back to Marner, I don't know. Other than the elite player thing, like what's the quote that he said that was so inflammatory that it has led to the team's downfall. I'm just telling you, James, like even in training camp, he is like, he's been all over What did he say? But what, but what did he I, say I, that was like, I don't, I can't even I'm think just of telling like a, a no, headline. But it's, it's not what he, it, it's what he's done and how hard he's pushed from the first days of camp where he has been like blasting them during practices when they've been like off. Like 
that's fine. Like you can you can tell a team like this is not good enough, but like he has been on them constantly. What was and the I, thing with Michael Bunting? There was some he was like in Michael Bunting's face. Was that on yes, the trip? That was on the yeah. trip. And like James, that I gotta tell you, like that was like an alarming moment for me watching that because like it didn't look like like Sheldon was really getting in his, in his ear and not happy. And it kind of looked like Bunting was kind of just like skating away, being like, 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 dude, get off my back. And that's that's the kind of thing where I'm like, uh, like that that doesn't look well. Right. You know, it's interesting. I, I guess Sheldon Keefe has two ways he can go about this. He can, I mean, he it at, at least you see someone with some emotion and like fighting for something here. Yeah, that's but like that, I don't. I've one thing I don't love is like we judge them based on how they talk to the media, and like who cares like if they show emotion and how they talk to the media. It's it's more. I I know well, you're, the you're not saying wasn't that. talking to the media. No, that's true. Yeah, that's fair. I I know what you're saying. I guess I the more I've thought about this, um, just this morning in L.A., um, what is the upside of doing that? Like, what well, is here's the, my, like what do you gain by benching Marner? Like, it feels like it's only well, downside. Accountability. Like, you're putting you're having accountability on your team where. Okay. It doesn't matter who it is. And there are other coaches that ha- have coached that way in the past. Is it going to work? I mean, well, here, this is the problem I have with this whole conversation. Like, we're 16 minutes in or whatever to the show, and it's all Sheldon Keefe. Like, what percentage of the blame of what's happened this year is on Sheldon Keefe? Like, I, to me, it's not – Then he's not is, at the top of the list. Okay, but then, James, like, what is the – then you're you're kind of like – um, downplaying the the role of a coach, like if a team is underachieving, like they are in literally all facets. Of course, well, some of that is on the players, but one, it's also maybe on the coach. it's not the maybe it's not a greatly constructed team. I mean, look at the the way the blue line has played. Look at the players that they've got. Okay, so that's like, Sheldon that. keeps not telling Justin Hall to pass it to the other team every ten minutes. No, that's fair. Okay, so let's talk about the, the blue line because that's one that's a really good point. Like. He can only coach the defense he has, and right now the defense he has is not good it's enough. Brutal. They've been brutal. Well, they, so they're missing two of their top six, um, probably that, two of their top four, right? But 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 again, to bring it back to Keith, I don't know that dressing Philip Crawl over the weekend makes sense, and it completely backfired. Like they couldn't play him. Like in in that situation, like I'm not sure why. You would want to play someone who's never played in the league. Is like Victor Mete did not have a good game in San Jose, um, but like yeah, the team I, is like really scuffling and like their defense well, back is like to back, and your team's struggling. And I thought Mete was fine in the first three games that he played. So playing Crawl in the back to back was, but I don't know. I don't know that Philip Crawl is is also isn't the reason why. The team is where it is right now. I mean, there's. Well, I mean, he was on the like he almost caught. He cost them like a couple goals. So the, like I, I don't know. Anyway, the other thing too, Jonas, is that this team did this BS under the uh, under the last coach. That's yeah, the other that coach thing, got is it, fired, and the 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 president and GM said like what was going on wasn't good enough, right? Well, it it sort of some like uh, I mean, and it, so they're back here again, anything. Jonas. So my point is. I think that there, there's there's problems with the roster construction right now. I think losing Jake Muzzin is going to be, I don't know, and, and Logren like the, the, they just don't have enough there on the. And, and if Hall's playing like garbage, then well, and the other thing, there's James not is enough. Like, they don't have enough. You, you know, Giordano looks his age. 
Well, and that's a that's a problem. Like that's how many defensemen do you really can you really trust it to two. be good in it? Yeah, you have two, and even two. then, like Riley's had a hard time defending the blue line. Like it's and the funny, I, I don't remember this being an issue last year, but the Leafs are having such a hard time getting out of their zone. Yes, their D can't move the puck. And they're playing bad teams. Again, they're playing bad teams and they can't move the puck. I, well, I, so the, to the me, blue line, you, so, so, so let me finish my thought. Um, sure. So the roster construction is an issue because the blue line is just not very good right now. And I, I'm not sure that that's because Keith called out the elite players or whatever. Um, and, and then the other thing is that not only is is there problems with their roster construction, but there are guys that you're counting on to be difference makers who haven't done that yet. Well, that's a big thing. And so, like, to your point, if you want to say, it's not all on Sheldon Keefe, obviously, um, but his job is to get the best out of his team. And right now, he's not getting the best out of his team. And part of that is, like, their top guys haven't looked like top guys. Like, they, as a team, James, they, they look slow, like, most of the time. Like, they don't yeah. look... Like they the do. team they did last year, I thought there were really intriguing. Intriguing is the wrong word, but there were there were signs of the Matthews line. Like I thought Matthews skated as well as he has all year early in that Ducks game, and I was like, oh man, like he's coming, like this is happening. And then they just kind of petered out. Um, and so you go through it, like Matthews has one five on five point. John Tavares hasn't scored a five on five goal. They've been terrible at even strength. They've not been good at even strength. And like that's their advantage. Yeah, well, look how dominant Matthews and Marner have been at even strength. Well, Matthews is literally. Yeah, like they were. I think they were like. Matthews is probably the best even strength player in the NHL. Yes. And the best even strength scorer since the day he came into the league, basically. And he's not scoring. So who would have predicted that coming into this year that even strength play would be this team's problem and downfall it's 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 really so anyway i i I just think that i think it's fine that sheldon keith is under the microscope and people are talking about it i just think it's outsized how much people are talking about it and blaming him and i think it's a bit of a cop-out when there's some very clear mistakes that were made in the front office and which mistakes so like which do you mean well i mean which of their additions have which which of their additions from the offseason worked okay well so that's a that's a good point i actually was gonna uh write about that but like it, most it of what like, they did in the offseason didn't work most of the way they allocated James, their cap space to your earlier point it's 10 games in so like you can go through some of those guys and i can tell you i don't think any of them are comfortable yet like i thought zach aston reese played well in anaheim like i thought that was his best game uh, Abe Kubel is not comfortable yet. Uh, Aston Reese has zero points. Yarncroke is Yarncroke. Like to me, that's what he is shown so far is kind of who he is. Like he's fine. Like he's just not going to change your life. So, um, so they had a decision with like how much cap space did they have in the offseason? They had like maybe ten million. Mm-hmm. They had a decision what to do with that and how to supplement their roster. They spent half of it on Matt Murray. They spent another big chunk on Yarncrock and Samsonov. Samsonov has been good, not taking anything away from that. But most of what they tried to do to improve this roster or at least keep it as good as it was last year has not worked. It has not worked. Well, including that's not back Jake on Muzzin. Sheldon. I don't think that's on Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, the that's, Jake Muzzin situation is so. There's five point six million. You look at like how, look how much dead cap space they have right now. Jonas yes. is doing nothing for them. Hundred percent. Muzzin is five point six. This yep. is what I was going to write. I was going to write something tonight that's going to be, but Good. I can, no, do I it. can preview. I can preview it here. Murray makes four point seven. 
So already we're into uh, over 10 million. What's that? 10 and a half million. That's giving them nothing. Zero. And then, yep. y- you know, Yarn Croc's playing 12 minutes a game, 13 mm-hmm. minutes a game. D- not really. You you gave him 2 million. Angval, you gave a raise to 2.25. You yep. start adding it up and there's, they spent part of the way that you win in the NHL is contract efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things I think we could say about the Leafs in the past is we would look at the roster and it's like, there's not a lot of really bad contracts there. Mm-hmm. But this year there are. This year there's a lot of there's a lot of problems. So all of a sudden you're not playing with the same 81.5 million cap as everybody else because you've got 11, 12, 13, 14 million that's doing nothing for you. In yeah, some cases, li- in some cases, literally. So the Leafs, why don't they look like an eighty-one point five million dollar contending team? They literally don't have a bunch of that money on the on the ice night to night. Well, and like James, you go back to the summer previous. It's like they hit home runs with Bunting, with Camp, with Kasha, and now you look at the current group, and it's like Abe Kubel, Aston Reese, Yarncroc, and it's just you're not getting none of the it same has worked for the buck. Yeah, it has. None of it has worked, and I and I honestly I don't think that that's on Sheldon Keefe. No, that's that's you're you're right. I think that's fair, I, and I think, man, like they could not afford to keep Ilya Mikheyev, but they like that's a guy I can feel that they miss. Like they miss his speed, they miss like his tenacity, his hustle. Like is, I mean, they miss Hyman. I mean, they yeah, like this they, is they tried this is to some, keep him, but yeah, but like this is some roster. What's the word? Uh, what's attrition? Like over the years, even like, that, that even like someone like Kasha who was making a million bucks, who brought some energy, and I know he only played fifty some games. Could score, but yeah. Well, well they, and they, they they played him on the first power play unit. They played him on the first line sometimes. You know, he played penalty kill power. You know, like yeah. Well, and James, like so, you, some you, of the, some of these guys they added don't they don't. They don't I don't know. Right pop. now, I no. Right now, I don't know what they do. To be honest, like Abe Kubel has been terrible. He, I, I'm telling you, man, he's not comfortable yet. Like he, there have been some games. Well, it, there's some games I'm watching. It's like, where's 96 going? He's also not super experienced. Like he's still young. He's still young in the league. Um, and like, so you mentioned Pierre Engvall. Like they give him 2.25 in the offseason, and you're expecting, oh, like he'll 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 take Mikheyev's role. He'll do everything Mikheyev. He's not been good. Like he's not done that. He's looked more like the Pierre Engvall of all these years, where it's like, what's he doing? Well, don't you like if you go back to the remember? I think it was last year we were talking about potentially Engvall was going to end up on waivers. Like yes, it, it, with their cap situation and everything. Like like he was a bubble guy for for years. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, not only is he not a bubble guy, he's making two point two five, and he's a guy that you need, and he's not able to do it. Yeah. So so I think to your point. You're right. It's it's not all on Sheldon Keith. Obviously, I think some of it is like his job is to get the best. That, out of that's team, fine. But like I, d- I just feel players- like the conversation around the team is like eighty five percent about Sheldon Keith right now, and everyone just wants the sacrificial yeah. firing to happen. Fair. And it's like, look at all this other shit that's wrong. Well, it's like, it's ve- it's going to be very look hard how bad for them. The D- the D is and like look at all the things they did in the offseason are working. They got all they got eleven million on LTIR right now. Like yeah. Sheldon Keefe didn't do any of that. Well, and it's going to be very hard for them to win if if Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nealander are just not generating offense at five on five. Like it just is. So like they're, they're, that's how they're built. Like they're built on those guys kind of carrying them through. And if Matthews and Tavares had I don't know seven or eight goals by now, it might look a lot different, and we would think a little bit differently about some of those depth pieces. But now when the top guys aren't producing, you're looking at the depth piece, and you're like. 
can they give them anything? So, um, I just wonder, like, if if you redid the off season right now, like, if yeah. let's say you and I wrote an article and we're like, okay, you got eleven, twelve million, let's redo it. Like, don't don't get Matt Murray. Go, well, go I sign like they, they should have done that at the time. No, like, I, I know. Go sign like Eric Comrie or someone. Like, get you know that's we were kind of saying that. Like, why don't you take like the Samsonov gambles? Why don't you take a chances on two guys? If it doesn't work, acquire a goalie at midseason or whatever. Anyway, so there's a way potentially you could, and then you got more money to spend up front. You know, we wrote a lot about. Is there a way you can get rid of Muzzin's contract? Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the no movement clause, so. But it was we we talked about it at the time like it was risky bringing him back given his age, given his health. I like this oh. sucks for him. Like I feel bad for him, and like you obviously just want his life to be okay. Like you don't want him to have some of the issues that lots of players end up having. So that's like first and foremost. But like this is someone who really showed signs of like decline and like had two yeah. really scary injuries last year, and it's like. And yet, like I, I could feel more as 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 camp was going along, like his impact in the dressing room was probably something that I maybe undervalued. But like my understanding, Jonas is they watched him in the playoffs last year, and they were like, "Yeah, like he yeah, can still do it." I yeah. think that's true, but that's that's great. But like just to assume that that's going to happen again for someone who's getting older and has been banged up, like is is really that's risky to just be like, "Yeah, the best of Jake Muzzin, we can get that again." I. I mean, I didn't think at the time. But anyway, like um, before we get to the pod bag, because I know we got a lot of questions, uh, let's take a break. And then I just want to talk a little bit about some of the lineup changes that they made and what the impact of that stuff can be. All right, James. Um, man, we could have done like three hours today. Um, but let's talk a little <laughs> bit about... Uh, we might have to do... If they if they lose again uh, to Philly, we might have to just do another show. We, oh, th- so we have 90 questions in the... Like how many are we going to get to? 10? <laughs> yeah. So like we appreciate everybody... Uh, everybody's fired up and uh, we appreciate people listening and sending in questions every week to remind you you can send in questions uh, once a week in, in our app alright before we get to that um, so Keith continued to change his lineup and I think some of the more interesting things he did was he played Neilander at center he split up Neilander and Tavares and he played Riley on right D with uh, Rasmus Sandin because TJ Brody was needed to help Justin Hall. Uh, pick any of those, and we can talk about them first. Uh, I think what was going on 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 the D was interesting. Uh, there's trying some things like like Riley on the right side and mm-hmm. Crawl and um, Sandine played more. I don't know. There were he did it Brody with Hall. Like it's Well, I wrote after I, the game in LA, James, that they had to do that. Like that they, they couldn't they needed to give Justin Hall as much as he was struggling, they needed to give him someone a little bit more stable than Sandy. Like to me, that was like a no brainer. You had to do that. I feel like you're playing Anaheim. It's like it just like sit Hall for a game or put him on the third pair. Like he's been so bad. How can you play like he played that you can't twenty one and a half minutes again. You can't play. I'm sorry. You can't play, bro. You can't play Mete and and crawl anybody, on the right side. Anybody, just, anybody would be better than some of the games that Hall has. Like Hall has literally cost them games, again and again and again. So like we talk about accountability. I think if you want to criticize Sheldon Key for anything, I think that playing Justin Hall 22 minutes after the way disagree. He was, Who do you want to play? He was actually okay against Anaheim, but yeah, he I was better. Play. Like all of a sudden, he like he. 
you you needed to do something to kind of make calm things down and TJ Brody's that guy. Like I think that that was a good move. I don't know who you want them to play instead. Like you want them to play Victor Mete who's like You you're playing the worst team in the NHL. You can't play they a are number 7. James, come on. You like, can't play spiraling. a number. You're going to dress Crawl and and Mete as your second and third right D like come it's on. so I, funny eh? no like way. like they they the depth D that they brought in like <laughs> Dahlstrom and Jordy Ben like yeah. who would have ever thought we'd be like they I'd never they were, thought that this would happen that they would be playing this soon well they're missing 4D right now a uh, four of the who they thought were going to be if you go yeah. down their depth chart their top nine they're missing four of them and now two of them are seven and nine but when you're missing those guys all of a sudden you're down to the crawls the crawls you're down to the crawl space. Is that good? No. Is it like a front crawl? Um, yeah, crawl yeah, crawl space. Yeah. That, but so that I works. think they have a real issue to figure out with this Neander Tavares thing because um, the numbers are actually worse than last year. Um, well, I don't know. Funny, we, we talked about this two weeks ago, and yeah, I got, know you told me we got pushback, we, but it's like we this got is some heat from now. it. But they just—I don't know. I just don't. I don't, I don't know what you do. That, yeah. Well, when you so they got four elite pieces up front, right? And that's yep. all they got. Well, yeah, those are their those are their four. Who okay. else is elite on their forward group? No, but like I think there are different classes of elite. But yeah, fair. Okay. No, they do like you know they're spending most of their money on the four guys, mm-hmm. and they don't want to. I, I think they got to break up Matthews. I think that's exactly what I was going to say. I think you have to start contemplating. You that. have to, and not just I, James as like a, a little band aid. Oh, we're just going to switch them for a game. I think they have to actually consider like doing it more. With a long-term vision in mind, I guess that what Keith Keith is worried about pissing the players off by doing that is that what the I don't know what why there's a hesitation. I, re- I remember writing last year early on last year I was like I think you got to break these guys up because it's not working, and then they ended up figuring it out and have being no they did break in the them second up. half they broke yeah. them up yeah but but it was it was Very never briefly yeah it was never like a serious we're actually going to do this it was more like let's just break them up and try to change things and then get them back together. I think the reason you 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 do it. James or start to really contemplate it is you need to think like Keith is thinking I think by keeping them together like these guys were literally like the best duo in the NHL last year outside of if you want to throw McDavid and Drysdale who didn't always play together but like they were fantastic together but I'm not sure you're coming out ahead if Tavares and Neander are such a drain I I kind of wonder if you can be better as a team if you have Matthews and Neander together and Tavares and Marner together where suddenly both lines are are pretty good, if not quite as explosive as that top unit. Does that make sense? You just when I don't I I don't know if I articu- articulated it well enough, but you have four elite guys. You can't play them on three different lines. Like like how much did Neilandry even play last night? Thirteen minutes or something like that makes no minutes. sense. It makes no sense. But what do you do? Like they cannot. They they've tried every possible third person with those guys, and all the time, like it just doesn't. work. I think you got to put Marner with Tavares again. I mean, that yeah. first year they played together, they looked really good. When Matthews was out, they looked good. I mean, you pointed out that remember when Matthews missed the first whatever three games of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Even with, I mean, Matthews ended up missing what like nine games last year, something like that. Yeah, it's nine. And, and and they would often play Tavares in between Bunting and Marner. Yep, and it it looked pretty good. Yeah, I think that's actually, like I mentioned to you, like maybe you just flip both sets of wingers. Like you just play Bunting with Tavares and Marner and you play, 
I don't know, Kerfoot with Matthews and Neilander. And literally not and not just and not the problem the other problem that uh, I mentioned is who is your other center? They they are they don't have another center. That's the other problem that they're having is like Kerfoot again, they've decided rightly, like you were texting me like he can't play center. Like and they Garncroft isn't a good center. So like who do you who do you play at center? Like who's your fourth guy? I don't know. <laughs> oh Again, boy, these are problems that's for the a off season. Com- yeah, that's a roster. Yeah, these construction are- question. So uh, we have like a million questions that we need to get to, and we yeah, are so limited on time. So let's take a break. Think- and let's get to the questions. Okay. All right. All right, James. Bob bag time. We are short on time, so let's start motoring through the questions. All right, I got a spicy one for you right off nice, the top. Nice, spicy. I love spicy. Spicy, spicy. Yeah, I think spicy works better on the podcast. And in print, it just I see it. and I'm like, I get scrabble face, as Odog would say when I. I know, it's like <laughs> your word you hate. I don't know. It just maybe I'm. Do you just like spicy not, food? I'm, no, no. no. See, there you go. You have bad reactions no, to the word. I love spicy yeah. food. All right, go ahead. Uh, Chris says. Uh, he says, I'm not sure you're willing to go here, but why do so many hockey experts credit Kyle Dubas with being a good NHL GM? I like Dubas, and I believe he, like many Leafs players, is destined to win a cup for another team. This is a really long question that I won't answer. He says, however, this is a results-oriented business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to answer this question? You can go first. Yes, it is a results-oriented business. Kyle Dubas does not have a contract beyond this year. He's literally going to lose his job if the results are not there this year. And the first through the first ten games this year, it's it's not looking great. Let's put it that way. So, why do people credit Kyle Dubas with being a good GM? They he look is at the a track good GM. Rec- <laughs> they look at the track record of the team. Well, I mean, the, the the story of of his performance with the franchise is still being written. It's still going on right now. You know, if if the Matt Murray situation turns into a pumpkin and is terrible his tenure is going to be looked at differently than if he comes back and plays really well. I mean, that's just his track record is, is still being borne out. But the reason why in the off season, people talked about Kyle Dubas being a good GM was the team got better and better. It had 115 points last year. Uh, there were a lot of moves that, that made sense. Certainly leading, I think into, into last season, there were good acquisitions, but if it all blows up this year, then I think, this is the other thing too. I, I talked about how people are are. It's kind of a cop out, and they're all pointing to uh, Sheldon Keith. There's also a huge faction of fans and media that have wanted Kyle Dubas to fail from the very beginning. It feels like, and yeah, that's probably fair. When they have a bad ten games, it's like fire the GM, fire the GM. And when they have a 115 point season at the end of last year, nobody's saying that. So we try. We're trying in on this show to, to not do that, to not be overly reactive and explosive just based on what happened in the last game. There's a lot of that that happens in the market. Um, and we're trying not to do that. So that's why before the season, we would talk about and say, you know, Kyle Dubas has done a pretty good job and 10 games. And it's like, well, some of the things he's done haven't worked because I think that's a reasonable thing to say. Yeah, I think that's well said. And the only thing I would add, James, is like his big bet this season was the goaltending, obviously, but also just bringing back those those core guys and not removing one of them or changing something substantial. And we still need to see how the season plays out before we can determine if that was right. 
yeah, I, I, people probably aren't going to like hearing this, but like it's, I mean, they could turn it around, right? So, sure. I don't know. It's going to look pretty silly if you're condemning the GM right now. That's why it's like you look at the new additions and you're like, they, they haven't worked. But yeah, like if it's been 10 games, like we need a little bit more to know if those can pay off. Like I, anyway, let's get to the next question. This is a good question, and it's also spicy. I think probably all 90 of the questions are <laughs> Increasingly spicy. spicy. Have you ever been to the Salad King where they have like the the, yes. the peppers beside it? Yeah, how the many chilies? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Many, yes. Well, this, the Salad King, if people haven't eaten there, it's a great Thai place. We used to get that all the time because uh, yeah, near at, the student news, at the student newspaper at Ryerson where I went, that was every week we would get that on production day, which was the day that the paper came out. So... Yeah, I was I'm I'm like a one chili guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely uh Scottish. Okay, so Zachary S asks, how hot is Sheldon's hot seat after this road trip? Getting hot. It's funny you James, were there. Like, how well, many chilies? So how many chilies, Jonas? We're like at three, I think. Like it's funny, like I did Leaf's lunch before the season and it was like right around the time when one of those gambling sites mentioned like Keith yeah. being fired and I was like they asked me about it as well, they first, should first coach being fired right and one I, yeah. site had him at the top yeah and I thought it was the most asinine thing not the question but like the, the idea that that would happen I was like they're too good like that's not going to happen and yet like everything that could go wrong to start the season has gone wrong and suddenly it's like if they keep playing like this for five ten more games it's like suddenly I think it's something Kyle yeah. Dubas and management have to start thinking about is where I would be at. I think probably 10 games would be my line. That, that that's, that's that's me too, I think. But like James, like if they play like they continue to play like this for another five games. Well, you got to try and save the season at some point. Yes. I don't know. Then it gets dicey. Like they really, and, and the schedule is not easy. Like the other thing, the other thing too, Jonas, is that well, that's yeah. I mean, they passed the easy the, schedule. Yeah, yeah they're, they're through the easy part of the schedule. Yeah. The other thing too, I was going to say, Jonas, is that, that that hangs over this is that Barry Trotz does not have a job, and he's out there doing radio interviews saying, "Oh, it'd be interesting to coach an original six team one day." And it's yeah. like, wow, like you talk about like outside pressure factors. You got a coach who's won a Stanley Cup recently, who's extremely experienced, available. Like if that wasn't there, if it was, you know, I, I've seen it in the past where people are like fire the coach. It's like, well, who are you going to bring in a midseason that's going to like make a difference? And there's a very obvious answer to that question. To be clear, I don't think that they should do this. I think that the amount of angst about Sheldon Keefe is outsized for where the the problems with this team are right now. But it, it's the easiest change to make. And the thing we haven't talked about that. I don't know, we're going to need another show to talk about or something, is that the other thing you could do other than fire the coach is make a trade and change your roster somehow. Well, so but so are you talking like a significant trade or just like trading Pierre Engvall or something? It depends, it depends what you count as significant. But I, I would think I would start with some of the, uh, start with some of those $2 million guys that aren't playing well. Yeah, he would be, he's a UFA at the end of the year. He would be the guy I'd look at. But just like, at all? Yeah, you just need, yeah. If, they don't have you any know, D, man. Like they can't keep. They got to get more well, D, better D. The good thing about a trade is you get something back. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't think you're getting much back in that kind well, of transaction. I, well, that's an indictment of him playing twenty one and a half minutes in the lineup when you know, like, if nobody else wants the guy, 
here's another good question. Also spicy. Uh, Taylor wants to know, does the Leafs analytics department not care about injury history since we have a history now of rolling the dice or trading for people with a long list of injuries? Uh, Matt Murray, Peter Morazic, Andre Kasha, uh, relying on Jake Muzzin. While the transactions look good on paper, uh, assuming good health because, you know, it, it um, obviously the, like the analytics for all those players is are pretty good. Uh, it's hard to have consistency if there are players that are getting hurt all the time. I think yeah. I think it's a fair point. Fair fair so, point. Yep. Yeah, it's not like any of those guys like Mrazek. That was his history. Like he was always hurt, or, or he was inconsistent, and then he came here and he was always hurt. And he was inconsistent. Like it's like, and they were like, "I know the answer. Let's get another guy that's like that." Yeah. Well, I mean, Kasha. At least you're only paying one million bucks. Like I think they got everything that they could have hoped for hoped for out of him, but the Murray one is really tough. Like they really need him to be able to come back and stay healthy and perform. And like I just don't know if that both things will happen. Well, and they're gonna have to give him a little bit of runway to come back, right? Like if the team's a complete disaster, <laughs> it's gonna be hard breaking him in. Well, James, I, I wrote about it uh and I, I told you obviously at the time, like there was like a moment where at a morning skate where it looked like Ilya Samsonov was hurt and I was thinking, Oh my god, what's gonna happen? Like if, if Samsonov is hurt and now Murray's out and that obviously didn't play out, but like man, they were like so close to disaster with that. The uh Eric Shalgren show. Oh my god. Again, and, and that's another one. Like you mentioned like front office stuff. I thought they should have brought in another third a third goalie who's more experienced. And I still think that, like Shogun, to me, does not look like. Well, even look down on the Marlies, they goalie. don't. They don't really have any anyone else. No, I, yeah. I mean, I know Shogun came in last year and like he they was won sub nine hundred, like, but like he yeah. wasn't good. Yeah, I actually I picked him up in my pool this week because because yeah. he was getting the two starts, and it's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'll get a win or two. And like, well, and that's another one, James. If you want to like critique Sheldon Keith, like starting Shogun and not Samsonov in San Jose, like. Obviously, well, he said Samsonov. He said Samsonov was not feeling well. All right. <laughs> well, it's a, Samsonov also is like not how many seasons has he played a lot of games? Like he, you know, I think they're worried about him potentially breaking down if you try and play him all the time. Yeah, and that's that's a fair counter for they, sure. They need they needed right now. They need another goaltender. Depending on when Murray's going to be back, they need another defenseman and they need another forward. That's a lot of things. Yeah, right yeah. now, Shogun in three starts it has an 875 save percentage. That is... Uh, which is close to last year. That is an AHL yeah. save, save percentage. Uh, this is another good question. The questions are awesome today, so sorry to everyone we don't get to. Adriano says, how does this tailspin compare to the final days of the Mike Babcock era in terms of yeah. the atmosphere around the team? I was around the team on on a similar trip that was the uh, Vegas Arizona Colorado trip i was there when babcock got fired you were on this trip you were around them going back to the the vegas game um, well and james like the- i was around them before that arizona game i was there at that 7-1 game in pittsburgh right. where it was like i i think i literally wrote after the game like they're going to have to start thinking about this because like well that's where they decided is, to fire him right like he babcock yeah. coached one more game but like something it was, was like really wrong and like i i'll never forget james like walking out like uh, after they did all their post game stuff after that game and like i was just in the underbellies of the arena in uh, pittsburgh and i just remember seeing morgan riley and like i'll never forget the look on his face like it was just like this look of dejection and like 
I hadn't seen that before, and I'm st- starting to get similar vibes. I don't think they're quite there yet, but it's it's moving. Well, they were in deeper into the season. They were yeah, deeper. They were deeper into the season, right? Babcock was fired. I believe it was 23 games in. They were. Yeah, I think they were 19 four and one or something like that. And 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 there was really really deep friction with the coach and, but, and some of the players and I and I don't think that that's there right now. I but so James like now we're starting to get into that stuff because like now we have this thing with Marner and you know what else is similar James? So you it's I not remember, widespread though the way that it was under Babcock. I can tell you James like other things are similar like they had injuries at the time that that Mike Babcock was fired. They had new players who were coming in who didn't fit in right away. Like there are well, some had, similarities. They had goaltending that was problematic. Like they had they goaltending, had, their best players weren't great. Like there are some similarities to what was going on. Now, did you did could Kaskasu, say last year, did Cascasuo play that Pittsburgh yeah, game? They they had yeah. he had to play Cascasuo in that game. And that was like I think he probably wanted to play Frederick Anderson in both nights of the back to back and couldn't for whatever reason. And and James, like you could even go back to last year, and and it's it, it has similar vibes. Like, remember how tense things were after that game they lost to Pittsburgh, also seven one last year. Like it was like, <laughs> which which seven one Pittsburgh game are you talking about, Jonas? Yeah. You're gonna have to be more specific. I don't know if the other one was seven one, maybe it was six one. Either way, bad bad Pittsburgh game. Well, and they wasn't was it Hutchinson that they were playing in, in with Kaskasu that was, or was it? Um, so what season no, was, it, was it? Was it Sparks at that point? <laughs> oh my god! I think it was so yeah. nineteen twenty. I can find it quickly. It was. Nan Roth. Oh my god! No, he was gone way before that. Yeah, Cascasu started that game, and Anderson had started the night before. That's why he couldn't start mm. again. Mm. But there was another goalie that was in the mix that I because I just remember hearing that Mike Babcock did, did not. Well, no, remember remember. Hutchinson got fired into the sun because he he had been so bad, and yep. they were like, or I'm pretty like Babcock was like, I, I'm not playing this guy again. <laughs> remember the Chicago game? That's where that's where that was the end for Hutchinson. I remember yep. writing after the, that game like they can't play this guy again. They can't. Well, then they brought him back. I wrote it at the beginning of last year. Like, you can't – he blew the game against San Jose last year early in the season. It's like, why is this guy still here? <laughs> none of the like, players believe None of the players believe in the goalie. He's like Mike Myers. <laughs> he just keeps <laughs> What's coming What's the new back. one called? Halloween, Halloween ends. Or, Halloween ends. I'd like Hutchinson, to see it. Hutchinson ends. <laughs> it's finally no. over. He, he's he's going to come back, James. He's well, not you coming never know. back. No, Hutchinson ends. Jamie Lee Curtis came out and stabbed him. Um, happy Halloween, everyone. I got to go trick-or-treating tonight. I, so James, I, gotta- I really, uh, Sean McKenzie and I were really trying to get Mark Masters to wear a costume on the broadcast yesterday. And we just couldn't, he just wouldn't do it. Well, why doesn't, Sean has a broadcast. Why doesn't he wear one? Yeah, that's fair. Come that's on. fair. But it would have been more funny with Mark. Come on, Mac. I call I call Mark's Sean Little funnier Mac. Than Mark, little than Mac. Sean. All right, go ahead. No, Sean's question. Sean's Sean's pretty funny. I love. We should Sean. have Sean on. The, we should have Sean on this show. Yeah, that would be I'll fun. talk to him. Sure. Uh, not to. We, we're overdue to have Mark Masters on. We told him like three weeks ago he was coming on, and we haven't used him yet. Uh, Jason says. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to answer this or not, but I will throw it out there. How long before the MLSE board steps in to shake up the management team? I don't get the impression that Shanahan will ever fire Dubas 
or the Dubas will ever fire Keefe. And that's a major problem. I don't know if either I, of those things are true. No, I disagree. I think that, no, I think that when it comes down to it, that those things will happen when they, it might be, it might take longer than the fans want. Like there's some fans that want it to happen right now because they're frustrated. Um, I mean, the fact that Dubas didn't get a contract extension, I mean, he's, it's basically, if they don't have a good season this year, he's not coming back. Like that's, that's decided already. So to say that Shannon is not willing to walk away from Dubas, I mean, <laughs> the door is open right now, right? I mean, he got, he got rid of Lou, like, and yeah. we know how close their relationship was. I do think the dynamic between Keith and Dubas would be interesting in a situation like this, just because he's like literally the only coach he's hired in the NHL. And obviously their dynamic or their relationship stretches back so long. So making that move, I think would be different than it would be firing Babcock who he didn't hire. I remember we saw with Burke and Ron Wilson, how they had this, this friendship that went all the way back to when yeah. they were in college and it, right. it was just completely ruined by it. It, it like it's a, and, and the, I, I suspect, I, I don't think Lou Lamorello and Brandon Shanahan's relationship is, is ever going back. I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. Babcock's relationship with Brandon Shanahan is, you know, probably not going back. It's, you know, so like that it can be, yeah. it's, it's not, e- not easy to fire your friends. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, again, I think it would take longer than the f- some fans would want it to, but I do think that both men would, I mean, they're, they, they're worried about their jobs too, right? You know, at some point. Well, and, and sometimes like it, it would be out of your hands, like they, Kyle Dubas might not have a choice. Like they might just tell him, like you have to do this. And yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, they could even be having the discussion today and saying, yeah, very possible. Under under what scenario does this start going in that direction? Right. And what's your plan? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they probably would need to. They're like, if we lose another ten games, eight games, we have to do something. We have to start thinking about it and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle probably says it's not time yet. You know, I still think it's going to turn around. It's only ten games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, uh, David says, uh, does the Leafs coaching staff and management give the players too much control and latitude? There doesn't seem to be any consequence for poor efforts and perceived attitude of arrogance towards weaker opponents. So this <sighs> is like this is this is the thing that people will say if you don't bench Marner. This, this is the counterpoint to what you're talking about. Well, but why would you do that? I yeah, I hear that. I I just don't know that the upside is worth the downside. If you lose Marner, like good luck. Like you're, you're, you're pooched. Like he's your most important player after Matthews or after Riley, whatever. I just like, if you lose him for saying that elite players thing or whatever, no, you lose him for this. You lose him for this. And James, like I can tell you, you know, this, there was never that when Mike Babcock put Mitch Marner on the fourth line, when he was still pretty young in the league, that never went away. That never went away. They never forgot that. Like it, 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 and you can, and you can justify, rationalize it all you want. Like Marner was like a kid. Like in like, he put him on the fourth line for like two games, and that never was something that it seemed like he got past. So, well, I mean, there's two parties at play here, and you've embarrassed him, James. Like, like that's that's. There are ramifications to that. It's 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 hockey. I mean, guys miss. You're guys are ignoring gonna miss shifts. man. You're ignoring like the but the but but, human but Jonas, what you're it. doing though is you're just you're just blaming only one side here. 
I'm not. I, I acknowledge that their top players have not been good enough, James. But like when you embarrass, no. But the way that they re- the way that they're reacting to this, it's like suck it up and play better. I think both things can be true, man. The fact that there's like pouting or or whatever about the elite players thing is like what what is going on? Let's go to the next question. I think we have time for like one more. Ah, uh, let's see. <laughs> Sean G says, "When does the hurting stop?" Is like, we don't know. We just work here, okay? <laughs> like we don't we don't cause the hurting. We're not a party to it. We're just going to tell you the hows and the whys of the hurting and try and make sense of it if we even can. While you're trying to find the question, I'm just looking at some of the five on five goal numbers. Defensively, at five on five, they've been as bad as Vancouver, fifteenth. Tampa's been a little bit worse, so there's that. Well, I mean, the glaring thing to me is that they've always been a strong team at controlling play. Like, in, in the only time that they weren't in the last, whatever, four or five years was when Babcock got fired. There was there was some serious weakness yeah, showing that's, there. That's and one right of the now, weird... Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Well, it's but very one of the weird things that, about, like, the, the talk about uh, trots is like, well, he'll make them into a good defensive team. It's like, actually, no, they've been a good defensive team for a little bit now. But they're not controlling that. play. No, like, and that's what's they, that's what's alarming right now. Against bad teams. Again. Yeah, against bad teams. Where do they rank in expected goals? They rank they're, well, like they're up to eleven or something. They're up to okay, eleven. Well, well, I mean the expected goals that even strength against Anaheim weren't that bad, but it's Anaheim. Anaheim's Anaheim. expected goals on the year was like they were last. They were like forty percent. Yeah, they're bad. Everybody is sixty percent against Anaheim. Yeah, true. Uh, Tim asks a question that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. He says the early returns on the bets that Dubas made in the offseason are bad. If those signings don't show signs of life, is it safe to say this team is what the underlying numbers are showing? A bad to mediocre team that's going to struggle to be in the playoff picture. I still don't think so. but no, I don't think so. But if you struggle for two months and then the goaltending isn't there, and and what do you do to replace the loss of Muzzin if Hall doesn't turn it around? Well, Lilligren will come back, so that's one thing. And who, but again, like I don't know what Lilligren's going to do. He's played one year in the league, and also it's it's hard to step in when you miss yes. training camp and Great you're point. coming off surgery and like they got mm-hmm. you know they need some time to get up to speed. And if everything's on fire, it's hard to do that. Yeah, it's like you got to come in and do your piano recital in a house that's on fire. It's like it's not easy to do. That would be hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to play piano, but I can see that being hard. Well, yeah, it'd be, it, it's like trying to concentrate when there's like all kind, of, you know, and try and get your yourself right when there's all kinds of things going on. Oh, is a, here's a here's a, we can end on this note. Judson says, "I can't wait for your poem. <laughs> Make it sad. I didn't write a poem. I'm sorry. I will write. Uh, I'll try and write one for the next episode." Walt Myrtle or James Whit Myrtle. All right, right. Jonas. I think that's enough. Well, we'll see how things play out. Obviously, it's tense uh, around the team right now. Um, But it's a long season. uh, So we'll see what this week brings and see if they can turn things around. They've got a difficult schedule. They play Philly at home on Wednesday, and then they have a back-to-back Boston and Carolina. So we'll see, James, how that goes. I bid you adieu. Have a good week. We'll talk next week.